know what that means? Everything. Anglo-thieves. Gettle's gone. Oh my god, you people have just failed me. Failed me utterly. Congratulations, Scotland. We have just gone full I hear an awful lot of judgment in your voice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 62 of Anglo Fees, where we are back in our respective countries and we're sad about it. But we're sad about some other shit, too. <laughs> Hi, I'm Raiden. I'm Alina. And I'm Kaylee. And uh, it's been it's been four weeks since we parted company as of this recording. <sighs> and no one has told me that my hands are awfully cozy ever since. It's sad. But before we, we get into more reminiscence of our trip and how clotted cream is basically the best and... Why Afternoon Tea is an excellent institution. We're going to do seven minutes. I'm setting the timer on Men Are Trash. Timer. <laughs> do we work backwards or? Let's just throw it all at the wall and go. Harvey Weinstein, go fuck yourself. Louis C.K. What's the word for disappointed but not surprised? Because we've all heard these rumblings of these stories. Kevin Spacey, gross. Yeah. Gross, but again, totally not surprised. George Honestly, DK? there was a few of them that were a surprise. I mean, and I don't know if that's just how, how very strange a time we've been in for the past two months, is it? Is it like, it feels like so much longer. It's like six weeks. Like, Harvey Weinstein broke at the beginning of October. Yeah. I Which is just... Well, uh, when, I mean, we put it like that. I mean, I'm, I'm actually... I mean, I think that our news cycle moves terrifyingly quick these days, as it is. Mm-hmm. But it was getting... To, it's been getting to the point where I just sort of wake up every morning, look at Twitter, and be like, okay, what man has been exposed as trash today? Right. Are you trending because, because you're trash, or are you trending because you're dead? Please, I hope it's. I kind of hope it's because you're dead. <laughs> Trevor Noah or, made that joke on the Daily Show too. Why, why is Christopher Plummer trending? Oh, he's replacing Kevin Spacey in All the Money in the World. Interesting, bold choice there, Ridley. Will allow. Come out on time, sure. Ridley, you know, you know when the I I don't know if Ridley Scott is trash, but like you know he's a fucking professional where he's like, I will get it done. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> Well, okay, let's go back to, like, the not so, well, you said not surprising. So, George Takei, like, I'll be honest, you know, he's kind of a beloved, iconic figure. On the other hand, what do I know about him personally, right? Um, so, upsetting, Sh- sure, it, it was. George Takei was the first one where, yeah, I had to kind of, like, catch myself of making excuses or explanations and being like, no, this isn't fair, like, I'm not gonna pick the victims to believe. Or the people to defend. Yeah. 
unlike Lena Dunham, who is trash and continues to be trash. So much trash. I mean, I will say one thing that has been exposed a lot throughout this is just how kind of transparent some people will be. Well, oh, obviously we should believe these women and men in the case of someone like Kevin Spacey. You know, we should support these victims. And then someone that they like enters the spotlight. And this is the thing is people were afraid of Harvey Weinstein. They didn't like Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that Weinstein was exposed... It, as he was, you know, six or seven weeks ago, was not because of well, obviously it was because of the great investigative reporting from the New Yorker and the New York Times. But it's also he doesn't have the clout that he shout out to Ronan Farrow, I guess. Like, who could yeah, who would like, for Ronan Farrow, right? Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. I will get the story. There was a sorry, a little sidetrack, but I remember I think it, it may have been Anne Helen Peterson who made the comment that you need celebrity. Um, reporters, journalists, like journalism like this, because Ronan Farrow cannot be threatened into silence. No. I mean, he's probably, I remember someone saying, you know, why is he the person doing this story? And it's like, actually, he's the person who should have always been doing this story. How mm-hmm. many people are at the intersection of journalism, law, celebrity, and gossip in that way? Because not only is he a journalist, he's also like a qualified member of the New York Bar. Like, mm-hmm. the guy is a freaking genius. Haven't he graduated from college at, like, 18? Aren't we all Like, the guy is ahead of the game. You know, <laughs> he's someone um. who's used his privilege in the sort of the best way possible. And, yeah, I mean, you don't have to... Like, if, if you read his pieces on Weinstein, like, the shadow of what happened to his sister at the hands of their dad, Woody Allen, is all over it. But he doesn't mm-hmm. mention it, nor should he have to. But it is, int- it is, you know, just so refreshing to see someone who actually decided, you know what? No, it doesn't matter how good a movie they made. Actually, we should call this shit out. And he's kept at it. But he's also kept the focus on the women. You know, when yeah. if you ever watch any of the TV interviews he's done to cover his reporting, you know, he's always really quick to sort of divert attention away from himself. It's really just, you know, these are the brave women that have come forward. Here's the story. Here's what I found. I'm not going to speculate. Let's just let's you know talk about this because mm-hmm. you know there are so many journalists who could have turned this into the the meal ticket of their lives, and he doesn't need to. That's the thing. Right. Yeah, he, he's completely untouchable in this. Well, going back to your original point of Harvey Weinstein, you know, like he had this uh, culture of fear, right? Like he suppressed people. I remember when the Kevin Spacey one broke, and like the reaction was so immediate in terms of professional consequences. And I remember thinking, like, here's a man nobody loves and nobody fears. Like, he he had apparently nobody he could, like, hold anything over the head off. But also, like, nobody seemed to care to defend him. This is a guy Mm -hmm. who did not make friends in the industry, apparently. And also, those were stories that had been around for a long time. I mean, I don't know if anyone watches Difficult People on Hulu. But that show is just constantly full of references to the fact that Kevin Spacey's a pervert with underage guys. Um, but also, um, I think, honestly, and I hate to say this, but I think one of the reasons that the repercussions against Spacey were so quick was because it's it's a gay thing. Yeah. yeah. And you don't fuck him for trying to come out and use that as his defense when he was oh, trying to sexually assault mm-hmm. a 14 year old. Um, but he's clearly someone. That, I mean, look at the consequences for him versus Johnny Depp. Uh huh. Because the second, you know, like the first shot from Fantastic Beast 2 of the cast just came out and he's in it guys and he looks like shit but you know they're still giving that guy a starring role in one of the biggest franchises in the world even though we have proof that he beat his wife right. yeah. you know K- Casey Affleck's doing okay 
So there are definitely or Brian Singer as well. I mean, I'm actually surprised Spacey failed before Singer, but I think Singer has a bigger like there's more to lose when when Singer falls. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I said, here here's a person you know has more, I guess, clout in the industry because, you know, they didn't care about losing Spacey, they'll care about losing right. Brian Singer. Um just put, speaking of spotlight back on the woman, the statement from Ellen Page uh, she was the one in her who said in her statement that like working with uh, Woody Allen was like the biggest regret of her career. Yeah, right. and that Ratner outed her before she had right. even outed herself to herself. Our t- time's up. Time's up. We're done. Better <laughs> trash. <laughs> I didn't realize you were actually. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I told you seven minutes, and we have done our seven minutes. Men are trash. End of song. <clears throat> speaking of men are trash it was really nice to see Johnny Depp get stabbed a whole bunch murder, murder in the Orient Express even though yeah you didn't see the actual stabbing but you got to see Michelle Pfeiffer like really go at it and mm-hmm. that was nice yeah <clears throat> which is one of the few nice things because I have been raging <laughs> just like I got out of the movie, did a whole bit in our DMs, and then the next day I was like, I'm sorry, I have more, I can't. So, wow. Alina and I have both seen it. I have not read the book or watched any other previous version of it. So, well, my feelings were, this seems kind of pointless, but it's very pretty, and it's a great cast. And I still do like Kenneth Branagh. God. That would sting, too. Anyway. Well, we already know about the trash bag thing of him yeah. cheating on Emma Thompson with <laughs> Helena Bonham Cara. True. And Let's just hope it ends there. That, that there is definitely a certain generation of theater nerd that will never forgive him for. Ever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ever. Even though I did realize that he's one of those people that I would probably cry when I met. No, because <laughs> because before I saw Henry V and before I saw Much Ado, I like I liked Shakespeare, but he those movies and his work made me love Shakespeare. So, but damn it, did you have to cheat on Emma Thompson? <laughs> you did not. Anyway, I thought he made a fine Poirot. But how was the mustache? Actually, it, it a lot, but it, it, I stopped seeing it after a while. Yes, exactly. It was a lot at first, and then you stop noticing. Yeah. So it's not like Henry Cavill's weird, gummy, mustacheless face in Justice League? Well, I'm not going to see Justice League in a case where I have to pay money for it, so I don't know yet. Mm. Okay, but I'm going to send you some pictures. I, I've seen the pictures, and I'm going to go probably, yeah. In fairness, I like that mustache more than I like anything related to the DCU except for Wonder Woman. So, <laughs> so I have read the book. I have seen the 1974 Oscar-winning uh, adaptation starring Albert Finney as Recupero. Uh The Oscar, if I remember correctly, was Ingrid Bergman's. Um, I have seen the uh, David Suchet uh, Poirot I, in 2010 is when it was one of the last episodes they did. Uh, it was more like a TV movie at that point, but they still made them into the 2010s. Uh, and now this one. And can we stop adapting Agatha Christie if we can't do it right? 
Like, I liked uh, Last Winters and Then There Were None, but and Then There Were None is essentially a psychological thriller, so it's a little easier to make it already into a cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. But most Poirot mysteries is like, Poirot talks to some people, and then he talks to some other people, and then he talks to some other people, and then he tells everyone who did it and why. You can't really make a engrossing movie out of it, so instead they put, oh my god, he's ch- he literally chases a Poirot! He's chasing- I can't, I can't, why? Action scenes in a Poirot mystery! I'm so upset, you guys. So they cut out the bits of him talking to people. So if you actually think, like, as somebody who's read the book, I know the solution. But if you just put that aside and try to watch this movie on its own, none of what he says makes any sense. Like, half of the stuff where he's like, "Uh uh-huh, I know who you are because X. And all the person has to do is say, no, you're wrong. And he would have no proof. But for some reason, they all just like, oh, yes, you're totally right. Like, why? Why? He's presented no proof. Instead, he's chasing down... Where was that guy running? There was a scene where uh, one of the characters is burning... McQueen, right. He's burning papers, and then he's running down... Like, the the train is on top of, the like, a bridge, so the bridge has layers, and, like, he's gonna run down... They're they're in an avalanche in the middle of nowhere. Where was he gonna go? Was he just gonna freeze? Like, what did he think was gonna happen? It's so stupid. I, I can't. It, and most of all, what the reason I remember liking the 1974, but I don't like this one, and I didn't really like the David Suchet one, even though David Suchet is, is perfect as Poirot. Side note, I think Brana was a great Poirot, except I swear, like some of his mannerisms were not were like specifically copying the David Suchet Poirot because the David Suchet one is so definitive now. That whenever anybody thinks of, like, how do I do Poirot, they just do that. And everybody goes, yes, that's Poirot. <laughs> anyway, the reason I do not like these adaptations is they both change the ending to make it, like, Poirot versus... Spoilers? Spoilers? Spoilers. The murderers. Where Poirot has this moral objection to to letting them get away with it. Uh, you know, to not, uh, to not revealing to the police what he found out and all that in... In the the Davis Shea 2010 one, it was because they've Davis Shea is now a lot older, so they actually made Poirot older, and they've decided to make him really religious in his old age, so he has like this Catholic guilt. In the Kenneth uh, Branagh one, it's more like, well, it's just not done, and like I am the great detective, I always solve the crime, and it's just like, have you read the book? Like Agatha Christie is funny, she's pithy, and Poirot is the one who suggests that they get away with it. Yes, he has a bourgeois attitude towards murder, but the victim in the skate, like, he, it's not about the law so much as it's about justice. <laughs> he wants to catch the murderers who are dangerous to society. These people are not dangerous to society. <laughs> They're not going to stab anyone else 12 times in their bed. I... I'm done. I'm done. Really? I've mm. taken up the seven minutes, so, like. <laughs> <laughs> My problem with the movie. My main problem with the movie is that you don't get much introduction to who all these people are when they get on the train. So, like, the the random dance bar battle. Oh, God, yes. Why is he ballet kung fu master now? Why not? And 
his wife. I was like, who are, why are they on the train? Like, I didn't realize that they were on the train until the Eric end of the movie. went to go question them. And they were talking about, oh, the Andrade suitcases, they're protect, they're traveling under diplomatic protection. We can't look in those. And I'm like, who? Exactly. Is that the, is that the, I thought that the princess was Russian and Andrade really doesn't sound like a Russian. I'm very confused. Oh, the pr- the princess Dragomirov, which was actually she was also like not not very know. well explained, but like you know, random random Russian nobility wandering around Europe post revolution. That makes sense to me. Why was he given a love int- love interest that wasn't in the book? Especially considering that his actual one love interest in the book also had like she was also Russian, so there was a whole thing in her story about the Russian initials versus like the English initials that they could have used as a plot point here as well. Instead, they give him a made-up, my beautiful Catherine. Who the fuck's Catherine? I thought you said you were done. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought that, and I really want to give Michelle Pfeiffer some, some props here, because at the beginning, I was like, wow, this is a super effective, like, 1930s rich woman performance. And, yeah, it was. It was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very well done of her. And yay, Michelle Pfeiffer continuing to get work, even though she is ancient and decrepit. And all of, what, 50? I think she's older than that. But, no, she she took time out because she was uh, looking after her kids. Yeah. And being married to the guy that made Ali McBeal. Yeah. She's 59. 59. Damn, she looks great. Mm-hmm. She's Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. She's Michelle Pfeiffer, exactly. Um, so she did great. Um, and Daisy Ridley's rosé joke, that landed very well. Is William Defoe's like... I just think the races should be separate. Like you wouldn't mix a red wine with a white wine and she dumps one in and glares at him narrowly and says, I enjoy a good rosé, which is, you know, not true. No one actually enjoys rosé. But it was still funny. (laughs) Rosé's not that bad. Yeah, I thought the casting actually was well. It's the script I really had the problem with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seemed kind of a waste of Penelope Cruz. I were they hoping that like Ingrid Bergman she'd be the Oscar? I mean, it was no. also a waste of Ingrid Bergman. Let me tell you, mm. Sean Connery was in that one too. Mm. I hope he's enjoying his retirement. I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he talked about beating his wife, right? And we want to talk about man. Oh. That's true. No, I didn't know that. Fucking. Constant vigilance. God I think I knew it. and then forgot because it's been so long since I like even. Oh, well, I mean, he's been retired for, for I want to say over ten years. Anyway, fuck him, whatever. So yeah, murder on the Orient Express. It happened. It's pretty. It's kind of a mess. Alina's real mad about it. Mm. Oh, the. The Boston Christmas tree has left Halifax and is working its way through Nova Scotia. Excellent. Oh, that's sweet. Also, I hate the fact that it's Christmas soon. Where? How did that happen? I don't know. 
You haven't even had your Thanksgiving yet. No, it's Thursday. But, you know, it takes a while to truck a, uh, you know, 50-foot tree from Nova Scotia to Boston, so. Nova Scotia sends Boston a tree every year for thank you after an explosion in the harbor in 1917. So, this is the 100th year anniversary of that. It's, It's a very pretty tree. It's a very nice tree. We should do a show someday about various holiday traditions. Not next month. Next month is very special. <laughs> very, very special. Yeah. And anyway, my tradition's what? Getting drunk? No, the, the New Year's is a big thing in Russia. We'll do it. We'll do, we'll do. Yeah. I can't, I can't. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, are we good on that? We good on, on Orient Express? Listeners, if anybody wants to hear me rant some more, hit me up. I, I can go a long time. She can. <laughs> yeah, so traveling is great. I highly recommend it. You miss it already? Yeah, I do miss it already. I do. Um, even even if you do find yourself looking very perplexedly at a poster in a London Starbucks telling you to try a turmeric latte, and you're like, but I don't want that. I <laughs> wanted, oh, thank God, you do have pumpkin spice lattes. Even if the waiter brings you a smoothie instead of an Americano? Man... <laughs> I present that story as as want to hear about the time I didn't murder a waiter in Stockholm or in Edinburgh. <laughs> I never did, murdered a, did a waiter. Did you murder a waiter in Stockholm? I did not. No. What are you saying? I did not. Uh. But yeah, my first day in London after I had checked into my hotel and had my hour-long power nap and then was like, all right. I'm going going to the National Gallery. I can make fun of paintings without having had much sleep. Fortunately, there's a Starbucks near the tube station. And I walked in and there's a poster saying, try our turmeric latte. And I was like, but I don't want to. But why? <laughs> what, what is I a turmeric? I looked at the rest of the menu and ordered a grande pumpkin spice latte because I'm comfortable in who I am. Okay, turmeric? Turmeric, really? Turmeric. Turmeric. It's Have curry. I ever had it? You've certainly had it in curry. What was the last time I had curry? Uh, Possibly never. In our flat, in our yeah, flat during our break. 30 days we ago? Ordered, <laughs> we ordered it in, remember? I don't think I had the curry, though. I think I just had my uh, chicken biryani. There's turmeric in that. Is it short? Okay. It's the thing that makes stuff yellow. F- fair enough, then I probably had it a lot had it a lot in latte though yeah it was weird anyway i ordered my pumpkin gra- i was like oh thank god i'll have a grande pumpkin spice latte and the barista laughed and said you were afraid we didn't have it weren't you and i was like actually yes yes i was <laughs> and then i asked if the turmeric latte was good and one of them said 
no. <laughs> and the other one said, well, <laughs> yes. If you get it with almond milk, it's not good if you get it with cow milk. That and seems I went, like huh. a lot of steps to go f- through for a good latte. Right. And I was like, okay, I'll try it at some point. I did not. Spoiler. <laughs> listener, I didn't try it. <laughs> yeah, listener, I did not. Is I'm a terrible person. But as my fellow fees discovered, I do not vacation to relax. <laughs> oh, God, yes. We discovered that quite quickly. You know every stereotype you've ever had about an American tourist? They know exactly where they want to go, when they want to go, and damn it, you'd better get out of their way um, and keep up. Excuse me, I was not wearing white socks with sandals. I was not wearing shorts. I did not have a fanny pack. I didn't have a baseball hat on. Uh, there were plenty of stereotypes that I did not lean into. Excuse and we you. into some. Remember when we were in one of the Tatty Tartan shops and there was a woman from, I think it was Virginia? She was wearing a fanny pack. Yep. Oh, yeah. She was lovely. I'm not dissing her, but like you guys, like like the American accent must have just traveled across the room. <laughs> mm. It was yes. wonderful. We went into every tartan shop, and there's a lot of them on the Royal Mail. Oh, so every other shop is essentially tartan. Like it's just, like some sort of shop tartan shop, some sort of shop tartan. Like man, during yep. tourist season, they must be swarmed if they're yep. if they can all survive. I kind of wish I'd bought more. I really, I really do wish I bought one. I, I, I'm not much for souvenirs or even photos because I always feel like it's about being in the experience in the moment. But when I came home, I'm like, oh, I should have. Like, I don't care that they're fake. Should have bought a scarf. I mean, they're real scarves. They're nice and warm. No, I mean, like, I don't care that the whole like concept of tartan is a little touristy and new. Thank you, Walter Scott. Are we blaming Walter Scott for the tartans or somebody else? I can't remember. He had a hand in it, certainly, but we should just blame Walter Scott for all of our ills. Exactly. He deserves to have cones put on his head on a regular basis. Which was awesome. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it must have been a themed week while we were there, because every time we came across a major statue that either had a, a traffic cone on its head, or the person trying to put it on its head got lazy and just left it on the board. <laughs> right. Except for David Hume. And who needs... A cone on his head more than David Hume. I possess, present nobody. David Hume <laughs> desperately needs a cone on his head. Get but on it, David, David Hume is also next to the go-to spot for bagpipe players. Mm. So he already suffers greatly. Good. <laughs> good. And rub his toe for good luck, because that'll piss him off too. I will say I wish I had bought more um, tartan... Uh, no, I wish I had bought more shortbread shaped like Scotty dogs. <laughs> when I got home and I was unpacking and I was like, I didn't buy that much food. I mean, there are four blocks of cheese and I brought back two things of shortbread and some fudge and my six milliliters of whiskey and my can of golden syrup and my bottle of tree. Okay, maybe I did buy a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> But the the tartan scarf that I got is large and warm and very cozy and has been truly excellent while while it's been a little bit cold and blustery here. So, yeah. It has been cold. I think everywhere. At least weather has Mm -hmm. synchronized for the three of us. Yeah. 
Uh, right now it's just wind and rain. Oh. Lots of wind. Oh. Empty empty trash cans have been blowing down the street all morning. If you get an opportunity to go to York, take it. York is amazing. Oh, to go back to I do not vacation to relax. I counted it up. I think I went to 20 museums in 13 days. It helps that like most of the ones in Edinburgh were free. Yeah. Yeah, most of the ones in London were free as well. York was not so free. But that's okay. It was totally worth it anyway. (laughs) I mean, we did okay in terms of Edinburgh. I would say about... 60% 60% of the stuff that we went to was free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we, we did go to a lot of like little things as well. One of the things that Edinburgh's really good for are just these sort of strange wee museums that just take up the top roof of a flat or something. Right. So we went to the official museum of Edinburgh, which is near the bottom of the Royal Mile near the Parliament, mm-hmm. which is sort of a, how do you say, a mini history of Edinburgh, I guess. Yeah. And then across the road from that, there was the people's story, which is more the story of the people of Edinburgh in terms of political organising, in terms of work, uh, in terms of unions. um, And some basically all of these museums have fabulously tatty mannequins. There were two things I remember about that museum. Speaking of the tatty mannequins, the 1980s punk. Yep. And and Greyfriars Bobby's Collar. No, Greyfriars Bobby's Collar was in was the Museum, it was of, Museum of Edinburgh. Was the, Museum of Edinburgh. Okay. the the punk the punk mannequin was in the People's Story. Oh, I remember Kaylee telling us one of your grandmas was like a train ticket. What's the job called? A clippy. Uh, the woman on the buses who would like give you your ticket. There was a little display of that in in the People's Story, yeah. and that was what one of my grandmas, the one that Raiden met, actually used to do for a living. I also remember a man sitting in a chair and, like, I couldn't tell if he was a mannequin or not. He wasn't, but, like, for a few mi- moments, yeah, I had really too. Yeah. yeah, so this is why you should always keep your mannequin safely enclosed behind glass. Because also, like, if they become real and start to attack you, they at least have to go through the glass and you might have a chance to run a little bit. I think I saw that Twilight Zone <laughs> so episode two. Yeah. <laughs> I was very excited because I got to take Raiden and Elena to one of my favourite places in the whole of Edinburgh, which is Surgeon's <laughs> Hall, which is the Museum of Surgery and Medicine uh, and Anatomy that is in the centre of Edinburgh. So much anatomy. All of the anatomy. And some of it was like, think of it. oh yes, I can see why a severe case of rickets would would cause childbirth to be very difficult, if not impossible. And other parts were like, I didn't need to see that dude's brain of somebody who got shot in World War One. That's that's a bit much. <laughs> like you, you didn't know what a calcified cyst on a femur looked like, like before, and now you do. Do you remember the painting of a man contorted in agony of tetanus? And you're like, so this guy's literally contorted in agony, and you're sitting here painting him. For posterity. Well, in fairness, they also had the other, you know, the other side of the museum, like the bit at the end, there was that painter who painted, I think, at the Boer War. 
There was yeah. one guy who had a bullet for his balls, and there's just a guy yeah. that's like dragging oh, up I, his ears. I, like, I, just I remember. Still now. Yeah. Just groan twice if you want me to go away. No, that no, was one I remember the little actually. bit of white stuff coming out through the hole, and I'm like, I don't even want to know which white Ooh. stuff that is. <laughs> it's pus. <laughs> I, it's let, pus. Let, let's assume. Let's assume. It's pus. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I've been in the Surgeon's Hall a lot, a number of times. It's one of my favorite places to go in Edinburgh. I go with my sister a lot whenever we're in Edinburgh. Um, but I, I always just love how much you forget how weird it is. Because one of the segments is basically the Museum of Anatomy. So it's every element of the body you can think of preserved in a jar with formaldehyde. <clears throat> But it's yep. divided up by region of the body. So here's the segment on bone surgery, and here's the segment on um, brains, and here's the segment on lungs. But the first thing that you see when you come up the stairs is here's the segment on gynecology. Yeah. And you start looking closer. What is that? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Just like cross the legs and sort of run away. <laughs> I love yeah. that place. I remember Everyone's what I liked. Room. They had the whole, the guy whose, like, lower face got blown off in one of the World Wars, I think World War One, and they had, like, they recreated it as a mask, but they also gave it the mustache that he used to have. Yeah. yeah. That was really <laughs> was nice polite. of them. That was really nice. But also, you know, it's it's really impressive. You wouldn't think somebody in the time before, you know, surgeons washed their hands would survive having half their face blown off, and yet they did, and went on to lead fulfilling lives, and that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, World War One was great for medical advancement. I mean, basically, the reason we have modern cosmetic and plastic surgery as we do mm-hmm. was because all these guys came home from World War One in you know the most abhorrent states, and they needed to figure out how to deal with that. So, yep. um, they also have there is a, like there are a number of skeletons of people with severe rickets, but there was also um, the infamous uh, murderers Burke and Hare. Burke, the one that was hung, uh, his skeleton is in the museum, but you can only see it if you're part of the medical students of the university. So we didn't see it. It's kind of like their good luck charm. <laughs> but you do see the book made from his skin. Hopefully yep. labeled, this book is made from the skin of William Burke. Or Harry yep. Burke. Because when you've Burke. got something like that, why wouldn't you share it with the world? <laughs> right. Hair, hair turn, turned King's evidence. And fucked off, and no one knows what happened to him, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. he just left. That, that's um, what our guide told us. Yeah. We did a ghost tour, which was very fun. Yeah, it was a great ghost tour. Not, I'll, I'll tell you guys, tell you, you are listeners, the story of the ghost tour I took in York. It's very different. Anyway, but back to, back to Burke and his death mask. They had a death mask. Of his, yes? Yes, yeah. they did. Hmm. They also had the mask of um, the guy with the tumor that took over his entire took face, which of his they face. actually yeah. successfully removed. Pre-anesthetic. They did actually get it out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, most of the major medical advancements were made in Edinburgh. That's that's the reason that the museum is there. Um, but it is wonderful. Like, like, there's just a lot of you know exhibits dedicated to men who you know on some level must have just been absolutely sociopaths yeah but the other the other thing that that strikes me every time i go to a museum that talks about medical history is it is shocking to me that humanity has managed to survive itself oh yeah 
I mean, like, a lot of people did not survive humanity, but, like, as a species, we've managed not to kill each other off <laughs> in our medical choices. Which is almost encouraging when you think about it. Almost. 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 Well, you know, I mean, especially when you combine it with the ghost tour that we went on, where it's just like, yep, yeah, murder. 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 Burned as a witch. Burned as a witch. Is murder. Bad. So much poo. So much. Yes, my impression of the history of Edinburgh is it's shit, murder, and the occasional body snatching. Tell us about well, the York. The witches. Yeah, yeah, Melina doesn't want to hear about poop. <laughs> Tell us about the York ghost tour because we did a whole episode, like mini episode on Edinburgh, but we haven't really heard about your York ghost tour. Right. So you're, I was in York for two and a half days, and I stayed in a pub, which is excellent. And I do highly recommend the Wagon and Horses. It's just outside the city walls. It's a perfectly pleasant walk from pretty much everywhere. Um, and the beer is good and the breakfast was excellent. And the room was, you know, very small, but very clean and tidy. And they were very nice. And their cook, sadly, was in Slovakia. So I had to go elsewhere for food. Um, but there was one night that I could go on a ghost tour. And I chose poorly. So I went for the one that, like, it meets right outside the Minster, and it was easy to find. And it's like, okay, sure. And the guy started off by saying, well, we're going to talk about some ghosts, and we're going to talk about history, and we're going to have some fun. And I was like, cool. I, these are all things I like. We'll go with that. And then he started off by pointing at... The church of St. Michael the Belfry and said Guy Fox was baptized here, which is true. And then he pointed at York Minster, which is like literally right next door, and said this was built at more or less the same time, which I have since discovered is not true. And it was very controversial because this one, he pointed at St. Michael the Belfry, was Catholic. And this one, and he pointed at York Minster, was built as a Protestant church in the 1100s. And I was like, <laughs> What? No. Because that is not correct. Why? Because the Reformation started 500 years and three weeks ago. It's not kind of like if somebody <laughs> pointed at a temple built, you know, in, before Common Era and said, like, a Christian church, right? Like, yeah. Something there does not end up. <laughs> Maybe now, but not then. No. And I was just like, I've made a big mistake, but I guess I'm committed now. And his storytelling technique was awful because he could not get to the point of a story with both hands and a pencil sharpener. <laughs> and 45 minutes later, it felt like four hours we had gone less than halfway around the Minster, and he had told three stories, all of them badly. And I saw another tour come up behind us, 
and the tour that I was on went around a corner and I went over to the other, the new tour and said, that tour is shit. Can I join yours? <laughs> and the, the guide was like, uh, sure. <laughs> and he was a much better storyteller. And talking about mass graves of orphans from a workhouse and stuff like that. You know, cheery shit. Cheery things. Guys, I, I'm kind of under the impression that the, the history of, of Great Britain is maybe not all that cheery. Was this before or after all the colonizing? Before and after. Like, we needed hobbies, and this seemed to be the thing we were good at. You know, mm-hmm. casual racism. Well, it wasn't really that casual. Not so much, no. It's That's what... one of the things that Edinburgh's very proud of. They love just talking about how disturbing and shit and weird their history was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poop and murder. <laughs> um, so I tried to to give the new tour. I tried to pay for it. And he's like, you got two and a half stories out of me. That's Or one and a half stories out of me. It's not... You know, <laughs> come come tomorrow night if you can. I was like, I cannot. Um, but if you were in York and you were looking for a ghost tour, what you want is Ghost Hunt. It meets in the Shambles. And the Shambles is a street that looks like it's straight out of Harry Potter. And it's six pounds and totally worth it. And do not meet for meet the one that meets just outside the Minster and the dude with the torch. And if you meet Graham, who says that he's a ghost tour, punch him in the nose for me. And tell him I want my six pounds back. I will say one of the things that I loved about us doing our ghost tour is that there were about 12 different ghost tours going on at the same time on relatively the same path. and We all just kept running into each other. Some people had on cloaks, some people were carrying torches, and our, our guy was just like a pretty casual Scottish guy. He was like, all right, come on, let's go around this corner. All right, I'm going to tell you a weird story that's probably not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sort of remember like one of the other guys being like all dressed up and was like, mm. like is, is, is it a bonus for being led by like a Hot Topic vampire? Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. We, I mean, technically our tour was the free ghost tour. Um, basically a group is, I think it's called Free Tour Scotland or something like that, is, and they City do it in different explorers. languages. Yeah, city and they do. Yeah, they do it in different languages. So you know, we saw the Spanish group. We heard the German group at one point, um, and it is free. But at the, it's one of the things at the end where you, you give them a fiver or whatever if you really mm-hmm. enjoyed the night. So we did pay our guy because he was very good. He was very um, good. But try try and get a tour guide who is Scottish. And I don't say that to disparage anyone who isn't Scottish doing tours of Edinburgh. I'm sure a lot of them are very good. But there is just something wonderfully no bullshit about getting a Scottish guy who finds the history really interesting, but not so much all the supernatural bullshit, mm-hmm. as happened when we went on another tour <laughs> uh, yes, in Mary King's did, Close. We did talk about Mary King's Close in our, our mini-episode. Yeah, we did. Um, the wonderful that guy was the best. That guy was the best. And uh, my friend Jenny was in Edinburgh two days after we left. And, like, as I was flying, as my plane went over the western coast of Scotland, I just kind of went, I really should have bought the the guidebook for Mary King's Close. Hey, Jenny, when you're in Edinburgh, can you pop into Mary King's Close and pick up the guidebook for me? <laughs> she said she would, and I need to poke her and see if she actually did and have her mail it to me. 
that guy. I mean, I know that I'm dead, but seriously, that guy was so good. Oh. Which is like, hey, this history is really fascinating. Why do I have to keep talking about fucking ghosts? <laughs> Which was right. He was right. He I was mean, right. Look, and you know, there's plaster made out of ashes of plague victims. Look, if it is haunted, do you know what they're not going to appreciate? One Direction live DVDs. Where the fuck is the DVD player? You got to give them everything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Shopping. I have a friend who studies medieval building techniques and architecture. <laughs> and I DM'd him and I was like, Ian, Ian, guess what I saw? I saw a 17th century room that's still got the original plaster and the lathe. And I, hmm, the plaster is made with horse hair and ashes of plague victims, Ian. And he was like, oh my God, where is this? I need to go see it immediately. I was kind of bummed they didn't let you too far into that house, like you were only in the entrance hallway, and there were rooms, and I'm sure it's like a liability issue, because you don't know when that plaster is going to start falling on people's heads, Yeah. but I really wanted to go further in. Mm-hmm. What I wanted was uh, just way more time talking about the pettiest man in old Edinburgh. Yes. The man who refused to move out of a street that was literally built over. But not only that, when he finally, they finally basically got a court order to move him out, he found out the loophole. It was like, well, you said I couldn't live here anymore. You didn't say I couldn't work here. So he just went back to his workshop. Yeah, they had to pay him millions. Well, modern, what would have been modern day equivalent of millions to move him? He didn't need to work. No, he just went there. That was just pure spite. That was just pure spite. And they didn't even bother to try and, um, close the loophole to kick him out of his shop. I think they just got tired. Yeah, it was like, you know what, fuck it. You do what you want to do, and if the place crumbles on top of you, it's your own fault. And he was like, you know what, I will take that. It's not like he went back for a few months to snow. 30 years. Yeah. Like, until he was 90 and dead. And they kept, I don't even know how he got in there, because on the other side of those streets, the ones that are down from the Royal Mile, there was, like, a new road build. Like, we were asking the tour guide afterwards. Like, there was, like, I think train tracks at one point. Like, he had to sneak in somehow. That's dedication. Yeah. Props to you, dude. Props There's to a you. wonderful glass. When the guy's telling that story and he opens the door and it does the, the most wonderfully horror movie creak as it opens. And he says... God, that was a good sound, wasn't it? That was like a good yeah. sound. <laughs> right. And then he's like, we're not allowed to let you into his his actual place because, I don't know, they're afraid you're going to lick the walls or something. And we were like, you did say that your t- earlier tour today was full of feral children. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> like, my dude. Yeah. But also... The reason this guy didn't want to move and they had to pay him millions and a victim is this was like the 1800s and he had a toilet he could sit down on. And he was not going to leave his toilet. Nope. Nope. You know what? He was, he was petty and practical. <laughs> Respect. So, yeah. Respect. So what was this guy's name? Was it Mark? Mark. Okay, so if you ever go to Mary King's Clothes, ask for the tour with Mark. Yep. Yeah. He's amazing. He is wonderful. And I taught him the word nerdery. 
<laughs> Which is pretty funny for me. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a wonderful... Most of what we did was very history-focused because that was you know, Raiden's choice. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was history and food, I feel. Yes. So because we decided we on our, <laughs> We decided on our last day. We were uh, we did Mary King's Falls, but we also decided we would go down to Leaf, which is about a half hour walk, fifteen minute bus ride um, from the city centre. Um, about from where we're from, we were from. It was about that anyway. If you walked out, mm-hmm. um, and so the Royal Yacht Britannia is basically like the yacht that the Queen and her family went on when they did the, you know, the royal tours, but it is now decommissioned, and you can basically walk around it. It's attached to the Ocean Terminal Shopping Center mm-hmm. on the waterfront. And it's very cool. Um, you will not be surprised to find out there were no fewer than three bars on that ship. It was flowed freely. Oh yeah, the Queen Mother's bar tab alone. <laughs> Put it on my daughter's have a tab? Come on! Oh, that's what her daughter was for. What is the point of having your kid be the queen if she's not going to pay your bar tab? Or right. all of her debts. That woman died millions of pounds in debt and her daughter had to deal with it. Oh, did she, was she actually in I didn't know that. Oh, yes. <laughs> was she not wealthy in like, her own right? She I mean, she to... came from an aristocratic family, but she was a woman, so she didn't inherit any of it. No, no, mm. but I'm assuming from, from the, the king, from George the... What was fifth. it? Fifth? Six. Six. Well, she lived longer than anyone was thinking she would, and she lived extravagantly until the end. So, you know, Because I know like the, the queen has private holdings right like yeah, I, I believe she's rich yeah like she's rich so i just kind of figured that her dad would have left her mom some of that to live on well also she inherited a lot of it herself so yeah i, I mean i but guess no, it's kind so of a moot point a like nobody's gonna throw to, like... nobody's gonna throw the queen mother out in the streets you know like it's just it's whatever mm. great threat to hold over her for me you wouldn't dare <laughs> mm, watch me ma Oh, this kind of reminds me of maybe a segue. <laughs> yeah. Into um, so the upcoming movie that we maybe mentioned, and I think we're gonna make we'll probably talk about when it comes out. It's the uh, the Crazy Rich Asians movie. Do you remember? Yeah. Any of our listeners who also read Lady Gossip will will know that she's talked about it. Well, uh, also, do you remember when the author um, Kevin Kwan he said that. Before this movie with uh, with actual, you know, an Asian cast got made, one of the first producers to approach him said, can you, like, rewrite this to be about a white woman? I was like, no. What the fuck, Hollywood? Anyway, but the reason it reminds me of that is that it's it's actually a trilogy of books, and the, one of the central characters is one of the main characters' grandmothers. Like, she's the matriarch of this really wealthy family. All the, bra- like... It's about all the branches, like all of her grandkids and whatnot. But in the third book, she actually dies. And everybody was expecting to inherit like hundreds of millions, if not billions from her because she's so rich. But actually, she comes from an extremely wealthy family. And her father's will, but like her father loved her, but he was very old fashioned. He never left money to her. Instead, the family trust was instructed to like fulfill her every whim for the rest of her life which spread into, like, the late 90s. So all of her kids who thought she was so wealthy, like, no, she just essentially had a blank check to keep spending. <laughs> so none of them got anything in the end. <laughs> well, not anything by their standards, not by our standards. Uh-huh. It, it, it ends up being a very funny will-reading scene. 
They're like, where's the rest of it? And the lawyer's like, what rest of it? <laughs> so that's what you said with the Queen Mother. Like, she kind of dies. And yeah, she's an extremely wealthy woman in terms of her lifestyle. But... I mean, she. the thing was, she had a lot of money in the bank in her will that I believe her kids and grandkids and great-grandkids got. But she was also in a crap ton of debt at the same time. You know, you don't saddle your family complete with with the debt. You also give them something on top to help ease the pain. Mm-hmm. But I imagine there is some like pretty good, you know, bank deal going on. Like, they, I don't think they mind about. Like, there's no like limit on your credit. I think if you're the queen mother. I imagine not. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. Your um, you know, diamond black extravagant card has been denied. Try it again. But yeah, there are free there are free bars on the Royal Yacht Britannia, and there are full of stories of the Queen and other members of the royal family going down to drink with the commoners, and we assume get wasted. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a very pretty yacht, and very very cozy. And, and we had afternoon tea on the yacht because someone put their foot down. Yes, which I'm very I'm proud fit. of her. I'm very proud of her because she sort of started off the trip by going, just make decisions for me. I don't just, I'll follow you. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) but I want you to have fun too. And the scones are very excellent. I'm told the Victoria sandwich is fine. It's fine. I miss Claudia. I mean, it wasn't the nicest afternoon tea we had. No. I mean, we set the bar very high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we started our trip off right, but also this wasn't reservations and kind of last minute. So for a spur of the moment tea, it was very nice. Yeah. I mean, to say that we'd done it, I think, was the important part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, of course we had tea in the yacht, darling. What else were you expecting us to do? <laughs> exactly. I bought a corgi. I bought a stuffed corgi. You What's know- the corgi's name? It's kind of funny, but one of the most amusing things to me is not a thing that happened on the trip. It's a thing that happened in our uh, Edinburgh episode recording, in which whenever we talk about the infirmary corgi, our voices immediately go to, like, the highest pitch (laughs) in unison. But he had a bandage! Just like, we cannot... We couldn't talk about it, but just like the unison triple, like, pitches only a dog can hear appropriately. Yeah, if you, on the ship there was a, a game going on where there were cuddly corgis all over the ship um, and you were supposed to take a selfie with them or like pick, count how many there were and you could enter a draw to win I think it was like dinner on fudge. the ship or something. It was fudge, fudge they make. It was fudge as well. I... But what, there was, we went into the infirmary and one of the corgis was on the bed and it had a bandage <laughs> I don't mind, like, I want to hear you tell the story over and over again just for the way you say cuddly. <laughs> oh, is this like when you and your husband start oh, asking God. me to say How certain words? How did you not murder us in our sleeps? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Kaylee's so dead with us an hour, like, making fun of her accent. But... It's true. Although, <laughs> patience. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, back on that afternoon TIFO, we um, introduced Raiden to Branston Pickle. Ah, and she had an escapade recently. I did have an escapade. So a friend of mine uh, decided to have a tea party yesterday afternoon. And with my cheese that I had brought back, I was like, I want more of those delicious tiny cheese sandwiches that we had at Hollywood House. 
and I looked up what what those are made of because there was some sort of pickle or chutney or something. And it's like Branson pickle. Okay, can I make it? Oh, that's a lot of ingredients. Like a lot, like a lot, a lot. So I could, but surely it would be easier to find it. This long pause is while I glare, and the narrator goes, "Was it though?" <laughs> it was not. Because <laughs> I went to seven stores before I found it. Seven. And many, many of our grocery stores have have a a section of shelf dedicated to British Isles imports. And I found many stores where I could buy Marmite. How do you feel and about Marmite? I never actually tried it, so I don't know. I have no feelings on Marmite. Because we got you to try some pretty, like, across-the-board Scottish stuff. So you tried Haggis. You tried I Iron tried Brew. Haggis, and I liked it. You tried Iron Brew. Yeah. Which you didn't hate. I didn't hate, but I didn't like it. You tried Tablet, which you said was too sweet. A little bit, yeah. Which, for an American, is, is interesting. Um, and it, what else did you try? So you had something else. I think it's just more general British stuff, like the Branson More pickle. general British stuff. Although I never did have a teddy scone, which is a shame. Which was one of the things that my parents said you have to try to. <laughs> it's true. So um, they kept on talking about the teddy scones. And it wasn't until like one of the second to last day when we are in a grocery store. And I see a package and I'm like, potato. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Like, until then. <laughs> Anyway, I finally found the Branston Pickle at the 7th store. Uh, My friend who hosted the party went to three stores looking for it. Another friend happened to be in a grocery store and was like, do you need golden syrup? And I was like, I do not need golden syrup because I brought it back. I have a can. And I said, oh, can you go check and see if they have any Branston Pickle? And they did not. I did find plenty of places where I can get Kaylee's favorite digestive biscuits. So when she comes to visit me... She can be fed properly. <laughs> Kaylee carries... They are prime biscuits, in fairness. Emergency biscuits in her purse. And I was like, that is the best thing. Like, <laughs> the things we don't know about each other because we live apart. And it was so wonderful. But like, now I know that Kaylee has biscuits in her purse. And it's <laughs> wonderful. It's amazing. I love that. In fairness, when we went to Hollywood House, we were browsing the gift shop. I think Raiden was trying to look for the optimum corgi and she didn't find it. But no. there were, there were, um, you could buy shortbread and there was emergency handbag shortbread, which I didn't buy because yeah. I already had shortbread in my bag. But Right. But you know, these are things that you have to think about. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be caught, you know, high and dry without shortbread? No. No. That would be it's a tragedy. Sad. No. And this is wait, why wait, you buy wait, the wait. Did, like did, Scotty dogs. Hold on, hold on. Did you just try to say tragedy and travesty at the same time? No, I didn't try to. I did. Because you just said tragedy. I know. <laughs> Was that a purposeful? Yes. Oh, well, that, that, that's a new portmanteau. Okay. It's like crisis and opportunity. You know, crisis opportunity. <laughs> crisis opportunity. No, right. tragedy is better because it's so subtle. Yeah. <laughs> I said what I said, Alina. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I know what I'm about. (laughs) (laughs) We also have the 
the how American am I entertain like Britain if you bump into somebody they'll say sorry (laughs) (laughs) whereas I Bostonian that I am (laughs) like walking along and I bump into somebody and they say sorry and I'm like yeah you should be (laughs) or they bump into me and they're like clearly expecting me to say sorry and I'm like you can go fuck yourself nope not here for this goodbye for the various ways in which me and the look that lady at Gladstone's land was very confusing oh I, I think the other the three of us watching that happen we did have a moment of like oh this is gonna go somewhere <laughs> the lady for the life of her couldn't clearly explain where we're supposed to register for, for like, the damn the, tour for the tour and Raiden starts heading upstairs and the lady's like no and at this point Raiden's like okay I'm like done with your bullshit tell me where to go <laughs> And Kaylee and I are just watching it like, this is going to be so good. This is gonna... And Jim is like, my husband's like fully in Raiden's corner. Like, no, that lady did not explain it properly to you. You are entirely correct. <laughs> and I, I like did the thing where I dropped my voice half an octave. <laughs> like, you are not being clear. Just tell me what to do. You need a goddamn sign. Jesus, lady. I'm happy to give you my money. But you did enjoy that tour, yes? Mm. Yeah, it was worth it, and she did not do it, so that was good. Yeah. Oh, and we went to the castle, obviously. Yeah. Yes. The the, the, house, the the house tour was the one Jim and I didn't do. We tried to go off on our own one. Well, you guys, when we were in the, uh, was it National Gallery? Is that what that big museum's the called? The National Museum. Yeah. Um, at one point, Jim and I went off on our own to try to find a, magic, a store that does Magic the Gathering. And we get there, and it's like weirdly closed. And we couldn't even figure out why. And then I get on Facebook, because Edinburgh is magical and has free Wi-Fi around the town. And why does North America not do that? Anyway, uh, we get there, and it turns out it went out of business the day before. No! Oh. But the three of us walked past it, I swear to God, on, like, our second date there. So if I had noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, went, um, we went secondhand book shopping. Or rather, Raiden, very determined to find a specific thing, did. No, I wasn't determined of- to find a specific. You said, you well, said, like, go down to the craft market. There are used bookshops. And I was like, fan-freaking-tastic. I bet I can find some antique cookbooks. Well, and I did. The thing was, when I originally lived in Edinburgh, that area was much more full of used bookshops than it is now. But mm-hmm. we did get to one that was open, which was, you know, fat, very narrow hallways, but very tall ceilings, jam-packed full of books. Yeah. Uh, and you could tell when a very popular book had gotten past its popular point, because there were, like, 84 copies of it on the shelves at any given time. So, like, oh my god, how many copies of the Game of Thrones books were there? Right. But they had a nice, adorable little corner of antiquarian books, and that is where I found a 1920s era Mrs. Beaton. Two of them. Two of them. And I bought the one that was in better condition. It was only 44 pounds. It was very big. It's very big. It was very. It's, it weighs, in terms of poundage, it weighs three and a half. 
yeah, that was heavy. <laughs> that, that's gonna be good for your Raiden's kitchen, uh, redheaded girl's kitchen, mm-hmm. for for a while. Well, I mean, I already you know got a quote out of it for for last month's entry. Um, <clears throat> I also bought for my two and a half year old nephew a Highland cow hat. Which is amazing. Which but is you also adorable. bought yourself a Highland cow. I bought a Highland cow. Fergus. They're, they're funny. <laughs> we were very excited when we discovered that the Highland cow had a name. Yes. And then a little Kate, tag on his ear and it said, my name is Fergus. Yes, but you taught uh, Raiden how to pronounce it because he kept on like, we, there was like a whole minute there sitting there just going back and forth to each other. Fergus? Fergus. Fergus. Fergus? Fergus. <laughs> Fergus. <laughs> no, no, the light on the R down. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, in York there is the National Railway Museum which is really cool and it's also free and they have a very excellent cafe <laughs> I like this thing where you can get beer for four pounds at a museum cafe <laughs> um, but they also have the royal um, train carriages so, like, Queen Victoria's parlor car. And the very first train carriage that the Queen Adelaide had, which is, you know, a very small little train car that's just got one compartment is modified so you can lay down if you need to. <laughs> and the guide, like, explained, we couldn't go into any of them, which is sad, but probably for the best. And then she said, so they don't use private train cars anymore uh, because it's expensive and she sort of insinuated very delicately that it would be a PR disaster which I think is true and that when they travel by train they usually just buy out a first class car and then she said I really hope that they let whoever is pushing the trolley know that that's what's happening (laughs) otherwise it could be quite a shock like, oh, your majesty, one lump or two. See, I like to imagine that anywhere on the British Isles, that encountering the queen in the wild is just kind of a thing that a British person can just, like, brush off. Like, it's another day. <laughs> oh, the queen dropped by. It was nice. I mean, she has driven past me, and it was kind of similar to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, there she goes. Well, it was mostly just, hmm, there are a lot of police cars around this mm-hmm. area. Oh, that's a fancy car. Huh? Oh, okay, Liz. <laughs> just went back to walking home. I mean, I have seen her, but it was for Trooping of the Color, so it was, like, not unexpected. Apparently, there was a story, I think it was sometime last year, one of her ladies-in-waiting's daughter was having her hen night and invited the queen not thinking she'd come and then the car pulled up and she had drinks with them on their hen night. I don't think she put on a silly feather boa or anything, Foe. Oh, Look, look, I, I have a feeling Her Majesty is always down for some drinking. Like, if you invite her, <laughs> if you invite her somewhere where alcohol is implied, I 100% think she's going to show up. Oh, or at least look at her schedule and see if it's possible. Oh yeah, there was a story, like, it was on I think, like, one of her old chefs or something admitted that she has, like, four cocktails a day. And then there was immediately a story of, like, no, 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 she's not a lush. 
Mm. Come on. Wouldn't you be? Lily's in her 80s. Yeah. She's married to Prince Philip. She deserves a drink or two. Okay, so here it is. Her first drink pair, former royal chef Darren McGrady, enjoyed shortly before lunch, is a gin and dubonnet with a slice of lemon and a lot of ice. There, the ice is the important part. There you go. Mm. Uh, then during lunch, she'll have a chocolate, a piece of chocolate and a glass of wine at the meal's end. But then also at lunch, she'll have a, a dry gin martini. Her final drink of the day is, of course, a glass of champagne. Which really is, is all we can ask, isn't it? <laughs> I did take um, Alina and Jim out for a cocktail, though. Mm -hmm. we, we did go and get... Uh, we went to a bar called Le Mans, which is on George Street. And I got a watermelon daiquiri, and it was amazing. Yeah, the, I can't remember what I had. It was something nice and fruity, I think. You had one called the Gym Cosmopolitan. Uh, yeah, because we found it, and I was like, well, one of us has to order the gym drink. <laughs> Which was pretty good, actually. It was yeah. a bit more of a rum-flavored kind of drink. It was a lot of crushed ice in it, but it wasn't as good as a watermelon daiquiri, which was, oh, was so refreshing. I could have, I, I really want another one. I haven't had a cocktail since we left Edinburgh, actually. Oh. Yeah. I really enjoyed it as a cocktail, and it was nice to go out, like, drink it with Kaylee, because she talks about enjoying cocktails and going out with her family so much. I like, <laughs> I like the experience. But the truth of the matter is, like, I'm not much for, like, the noisy bar. Like, I want to talk to the friends I'm with. Not, like, have I mean, a chat over the music. I were in the quietest bit of the bar, and it was still pretty noisy. Yeah. yeah. Which is just kind of how bars are. Uh, it's fine. But, like, for me to enjoy it, like, I want the drinks, but I also want it, the no a background noise. Yeah. But let me talk to my friends without shouting. I mean, in fairness, it was a Friday in Edinburgh in October, so mm. it was always going to be pretty much. Although, as, as well, when Ren Raiden came to visit me in Dundee, I did take her to my favourite cocktail place, and we got jam jars. And they were delicious. It's basically lots of different kinds of strawberry-flavoured alcohol with actual strawberries in a jam jar. And then they put a little bit of fabric over the top of it as well and with a straw, and it's very tasty. I heartily recommend it. Mm. We also, um, Raiden, when she came to visit me, we went to Broughty Ferry for the day. Mm -hmm. Broughty Ferry is this sort of seaside town that's just about 20, 25 minutes away from, uh, from Dundee. Uh, we went like the day before Hurricane Ophelia hit Ireland. So it was very dark. It was it was the day that it hit. Yeah, but it was very dark. Yeah, it was. I was uh, like, we're going to Broughty Ferry. It's the one day I can go see this castle. Castle's closed. Fuck it, we're going to Broughty Ferry, Kaylee. In fairness, when we, I mean, we, we walked along the waterfront, which was very cool. We got some lovely pictures, and then we decided, let's go get a drink. So we went to this uh, pub slash restaurant called The Ship Inn, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was super uh, super affordable. Uh, the food was amazing. Really well portioned. Raiden got this starter of duck wings, which yep. was massive. Massive. Huge. Uh, and then uh, I, I got fish and chips, and the fish was huge as well. I mean, it was they did not skimp on their portions. It was great. And then we got a couple of pints as well, and then a bottle of wine. We had a good day. Queen Mum, uh, I mean, sorry, the Queen would have approved? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. My, my only regret was that there was a set of binoculars next to us while we were dining and we never really got a chance to peer through them. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The going back to noisy pubs and noisy bars, the pub I stayed in in York was actually they didn't have loud annoying music and they had several different rooms. So you could actually chat with people and after London, London, it's so crowded and everyone's like, I don't fucking want to talk to you, which is fine. I understand that. And York's like, please tell me your life story. (laughs) Tell us, (laughs) where are you from? And I met many people who were like, oh, I've been to Boston. That's the one with the little dukes, right? The the little what? Ducks. Oh, there's a there's a statue in the public garden of ducklings. Hmm. <laughs> and so that was hilarious and adorable. And I ended up at one point chatting with somebody in the pub comparing the the Alabama Birmingham with the English Birmingham. And I've never been to either one and he'd only been to the English Birmingham once. <laughs> Huh? I know. I don't know how this happened. Oh, I do know how it happened. It's because I had been talking about, I have this friend who lives in, in Birmingham, Cleo. And I, we were talking about, you know, things to do if we go visit Cleo. And I looked it up on Wikipedia and I was like, oh, look at all of these things. And she's like, What? And I realized that I was looking at the Wikipedia page for the wrong Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so we started talking about the things you can do in Birmingham when you're dead, I guess. And he was like, well, we've got this stuff in our Birmingham. What have you got in yours? And I'm like, oh, racist, mostly. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, we actually have a lot of those in ours, too. (laughs) (laughs) Who will see you, racist, and up you, pedophiles. Uh, They may may or may not get elected to the Senate. Mm. Yeah, that'll be something to talk about next month. Because we'll be recording after that election happens. Assuming it it still happens. Mm. Anyway, I think it will. That's my guess. Um, so, yeah, and the beer in York is very good. Very, very good. The beer in Edinburgh was pretty good, too. Yeah, Innocent Gone is the way to go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I remembered what it was I wanted to talk about because it's kind of food related and all the food talk has jogged my memory. It was going to be almost like a thing that makes you happy this month kind of little little thing and it was I found a new anime to watch that I actually like which is happening more and more rarely these days. Um, The anime is called Food Wars. It's like it's like a shonen so like battle except all the battling is done through cooking. It's about a young boy, as Shonen always is, who goes, who wants to be a chef, so he goes to this special, like, culinary high school. And there's all these food battles, and, and it's all intense, and they have to, like, show, you know, 
go head to head against like the best chefs in the world and like it's it's absurd to an nth degree absolutely um and what's also look really specific about it is that if anybody any of our listeners have ever seen yakitake japan which was like a food anime battle anime but specifically about bread but anytime somebody tasted really delicious bread they'd have a reaction which is like an acid trip Food Wars has something like that, only the reactions are all drawn by somebody who, like, saw the phrase food porn and didn't know what it meant. So he kind of thought, this must be porn that happens when you eat food. It's, G, like, PG rated, because it's not actual hentai. But, you know, so it's like, shonen, Food Wars, and, like, people have these, like, softcore orgasms when they eat. It's pretty good. It's pretty fun. Check it out. It's on Crunchyroll. Okay. Like I said, all the food and it it got makes you so hungry when you watch though. It really is a good like if you have a snack you were gonna have anyway, I'd recommend like watching when you decide you want that snack. <laughs> that reminds me of when we were in the flat and we were it was the three of us in our living room, lovely flat we were staying in. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly said, oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's made a show for Amazon. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then we heard this sort of, like, stumbling down the stairs. And, and you were like, Jim, Jim, and he's like, shut up, I have to tell you something. Oh, God, I forgot. thing. Yeah, he literally found out as we found out that he was like, I have to tell you something. We were like, we have to tell you something, too. Jean-Claude Van Damme's made a thing. We were, we were all very invested in Jean-Claude Van Damme. Who knew? It was such a wonderful moment of, like, exactly how me and Raiden imagined married people are. <laughs> yeah. Just a level of, like, psychic connection. It was beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> we, did th- we, we, we enjoyed meeting Alina's husband. Yes. He was like, it was, it was just nice to put a voice to that, you know, a face to that voice we occasionally hear speaking in the background that we say hi to. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he, he seemed to have fun. He did. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was really interesting because he'd be incredibly quiet for like, we, so we went on like the Hollywood house tour, for instance, which was about two hours. He doesn't say much. We're very quiet. He's very quiet. We're really enjoying himself. And at the end of it, he goes, that's pretty cool. I liked that. <laughs> I was like, he spent the entire time worrying, is he bored? Do we, should we just let him go off and explore on his own? Does he want to go back to the flat? And he's like, no, I had a good time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he really has. He's been, ta- he's been telling people about the, about the trip a lot. Oh, good. Yeah. The, the, the traffic cones on statues and the Mary King's clothes like, made all the, all the impression. <laughs> <laughs> Not him forgetting how to pour tea. Oh, that's oh, God. <laughs> I'm really embarrassed trying to pour it back into <laughs> Yeah. Good times. So, anything making you happy this month that you want to do a minute on? Um... I just finished watching the Great British Family Cooking Show, which is on Netflix. It's hosted by Nadia of Blessed Memory. 
and the best break bake off winner that has ever happened. And uh, Zoe Ball. Zoe yeah, Ball. she's a she's a British TV presenter and yep. former DJ. And she's very charming. And it's three members of a family are giving cooking challenges and they're judged. And a lot of it is based on, you know, their their home cooked food family favorites. And there's a, a good swath of British types that that present their various kinds of food and <clears throat> there is definitely among the Indian and Middle Eastern and there's a Caribbean family and there's some coded discussion of well I like things really spicy and then uh, they sort of cut their eyes over to the judges and go but we're cooking for them so we should tone down the spicy a little bit <laughs> <laughs> And it's it was uh, very charming and lots of fun to watch these family dynamics and various cooking cooking choices. Sometimes it's like, why are you trying to make a risotto in twenty minutes? You really shouldn't do that. Certainly not when one of your judges is Italian. Mm. Yeah, like you made your choices there, and it was not good. So it's a very charming show, but don't watch it when you're hungry. Otherwise, you'll just eat your way through your kitchen. <sighs> Kaylee? Um, well, I'm, I'm currently um, in the midst of master's studies stuff. So most of the interesting stuff I've been consuming has been related to that. I finally get a student ID again for discount cinema tickets and I barely use it. Typical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what have I been really enjoying? Well, I discovered, I, I finally mainlined The Good Place, which is a Netflix exclusive in the UK, but I think it's NBC in America. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful moment where Ted Danson refers to a minion toy as a deformed yellow toddler, which is Correct. has made me very happy. It's really, I mean, the thing that is really, I mean, the first season of that show is impeccably constructed. Yep. I mean, and once you finish that season and then look back on what it did, you realize just how smart it has been. I mean, it, on its own, it was already very funny. Why can't I forking save fork? <laughs> You're a messy bench who lives for drama. <laughs> um... But then, once you actually get into that second season, the show ends up becoming a further deconstruction of, of like sitcom tropes and sitcom characters and situations, and how do you deal with that, whether you're aware of them or not? Um, it's nice to watch a show that isn't mean, mm-hmm. that's very colourful, that lets Ted Danson just be very, very funny and occasionally do, like, the greatest evil laugh. Um, The guy that plays Jason is putting in, like, the best performance as the stupidest man alive. My favorite character... I love him so much. (laughs) I think he's the woman in the mediocre place. I can't remember her name. Laura, maybe? I don't Mm -hmm. remember. I love her. Her deadpan, like, delivery... 
in the second season, which I've only seen a couple of a uh, couple of um, episodes of, I, I'm gonna just catch up all at once. Is she has a there's like an exchange where the main character's like, oh, I'm gonna take this tape. Oh no, don't! It's my only copy. Like she's mm. just another, like I love her. <laughs> my my current pet theory that I really have not explored as to how this makes sense is that Janet is clearly God. I've seen that I said would before. Like that. I've I've I see no object like I see no objection to that. Yeah. I was very excited when she created her own dirtbag boyfriend and he was played by Jason Mantzoukas, who should play all dirtbag boyfriends in every <laughs> comedy ever. Should. Also, if uh you're not caught up on Brooklyn Nine Nine, catch up on Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm not. I I'm not caught up on anything. Uh, I haven't seen Arrow this season and this is the season that we set everything. I really need to Oh, I'm a bad TV watcher. Some someone spoil me for Arrow, please. My co one of my uh, Jim's coworkers refused to. He's like, you have to watch it. I'm like, mm-hmm. watch it. I haven't watched it, so I can't help you. <laughs> um, but Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, Jake and Amy got engaged. It was the cutest thing ever. <laughs> and it's. Like puts to lie all of those TV writers who are like, we can't make our couples happy because we don't know how to write that. No, it's it's because you're boring. You're boring. <laughs> it's time to moonlight this thing. Mm-hmm. Kids, ask your parents about moonlight. Moonlighting? <laughs> moonlighting. Okay. I've seen moonlighting. I am a pop culture hot takes merchant. I am down with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> But you should all watch The Good Place if you haven't watched it. Yep. Um, My it's favorite... just for the sheer construction of it. And also Jamila Jamil, who plays Ata- uh, Tahani. Yeah. Tahani, yes. Is, it's, it's very strange to see that she's acting in an American sitcom because here she's best known for being a TV presenter and DJ. Aww. She's funny. She's good, good for her. She's so good. So good for her. My favorite online joke about, uh, speaking of The Good Place, that, uh, this is a Janet-related one. They're like, there are two genders, not a girl and not a robot. it's when she does her um like her attempt at trying to be sad which is like the wailing noise (laughs) (laughs) i can't do it properly she's brilliant darcy carden should be in all the comedies now that must be such a fun role to play you just get to ham it up and then she gets to be bad janet yeah yes darcy carden for an emmy please or just a good place in general for an M. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's been overlooked greatly uh, on that front. Like, even with Ted Danson, like the great star of one of the most, you know, influential comedies of all time. I think mm-hmm. people have sort of forgotten that he, because he spent so long being a serious actor. I think people forgot. Actually, he's very funny. Yes. I. And he, like, he wears a lot of lovely, like, like bow ties. Wait, wait, wait. Ted- this is such a weird little cultural thing because I really just only know him best for, I think, Three Men and a Baby. So to me, like, oh, people know to, uh, him as the great, uh, like, drama actor. I'm like, really? Yeah. No, he's a great comedy actor. Yeah, well, he was know. the great comedy actor in Cheers. And then yep. he went and did serious stuff. Like, he's in the second season of Fargo. Uh, he was on Damages for a while. Oh, I remember him on Damages. That's right. There was a period where, you know, no one in Hollywood would hire him because of the whole, like, Whippy Goldberg thing, which we should probably not get into. Uh, but now he's back doing comedy. So. 
he and Whoopi Goldberg were in that movie together where he's like the biological father of a baby, right? They used to date. Oh, I did not know that. That sounds like a complicated relationship. It was. <laughs> uh, but he's now married to Mary Steenburgen. And they've been together like five ever. Yeah, and they still hang out with her ex-husband, which... I which, love. sure. Her, her ex-husband is Malcolm McDowell from A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Ted Danson. I, I, would, I mean, I think... Free Men, the baby is not a great movie. I don't know if it entirely lives up to the nostalgia goggles, but I have seen it way too many times. Mm-hmm. And the sequel, which features Fiona Shaw as like the the horny schoolmistress. I mean, we could just talk about how awesome Ted Danson is for a because he's so good in the good place. Right. <laughs> Please don't turn out to be trash. Oh. Cross your fingers. I mean, you already the blackface thing was a long time ago, so yeah, I think he's over that now. <sighs> oh, I totally forget. He was what? CSI. Oh right, yeah. Uh, he took he over. Replaced Lawrence Fishburne, remember? Yeah. Um, that show got weird. Yeah. Watch the Good Place. Watch the Good Place. Which doesn't come back until like January. Yeah. Because Americans have to watch football. I, I love the, the disdain in your fake football. That's good. That's good. It shouldn't have to take up weeks of television. There are other things to do. It also shouldn't be called I football. I agree yet... with you. And yet, here we are. So yes, watch The Good Place. Go to York. Maybe drink a turmeric latte if you want to. But you don't have to. Come um, to Scotland oh. and get haggis. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, of all the other good food, Rules, a restaurant in London, it's near Covent Garden, does Victorian game recipes. So I had a very excellent partridge that did not, sadly, have any shot in it, even though the menu warned that game birds may have shot in them. And I was sad. I felt like I'd been cheated. Out of an experience? Out of an experience. And I was going to put the shot on the shelf with my other treasures. Uh, <laughs> I'm an inquisitive person. It's true. I like souvenirs that remind me of where I've been. Acquisitive is such a great word. We don't use it enough. We don't. Um, but I also had a, a steamed sponge with golden syrup that like, I immediately wanted five more of them. It was so delicious. But I have golden syrup and I have a pudding basin, so I can I can steam my own eventually. <sighs> okay, we need to stop talking about food and go have some. Okay. <laughs> I propose. Also, can I can I have this is not about food. I promise it's not about food. Okay. But I also went to the Imperial War Museum, which they had just revamped for the centenary of World War One, And I feel like they have modernized it out of... Charm is a weird word for a war museum, 
but it's so slick and antiseptic now and like their whole section on World War II no longer makes any sense. And I'm disappointed. It used to be full of all sorts of things and now they've like focused it down so much that it's just like I feel like it doesn't make as much of an impact anymore. Because you don't get to discover things as you're going around? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. Is this in Boston? London. Oh, no, London. this is in London. I'm like, it's called Imperial, but you're talking about, like, oh, so you've been there before, though. That makes sense, because you've been yeah, to Yeah, I've been there. I was there in 2010. And, I mean, it was super creepy, because they had, like, tons of mannequins with the various uniforms of like everybody and the uni- the mannequins were blue and it was weird and creepy but they were also safely encased in glass so I wasn't too worried about it same you know mannequin safety is very important and they they took out all of the mannequins which sure okay um, but now they're considerably less like uniforms and there's just less stuff and I don't like it anymore Imperial Museum please take note please take note we have complaints we have some complaints and like they used to have one side that was here's the story of World War One, and the other side this is all in their their basement level the other side was garden level whatever Um, yes ask Kaylee how I feel about calling the first floor, the second floor, the first floor. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, so they had like one section on here's the story of World War One, and another one a mirror side of here's the story of World War Two. and now they've sort of taken 1920 to 1945 and made it into one big thing. So it just, it it's no longer as coherent. Um, they have a separate exhibit on the Holocaust, which I didn't go into this time because I was just not not up for it. Because mm-hmm. um, somebody committed suicide at St. Paul's while I was there earlier that morning. So it, it had already been kind of a day. I, I just feel like they kind of missed the boat. They They overcorrected way too much. And I'm sad about it because I really like that museum. So it's possible to modernize too much, you guys, is my point. See, it wasn't about food. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this has been episode 62 of Anglophies. Please join us next month for a very special holiday episode with a very special holiday guest. Talking about very special holiday things. We hope we piqued your interest and see you here next month. Bye. 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 Go to York. Thank you for listening to Anglofees, I made a fail production. You can reach us on Twitter at Anglofees. You can send an email to Anglofees at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes to help other people find the show. Thank you.